Amen. You may be seated. And uh, we are in a study of the book of Revelation called The Beginning of the End. We are in Revelation chapter 9, so I would encourage you to turn in your Bibles there. We're going to get there in just a moment. I did want to make sure that uh, I mentioned something. This is about as political as I get. I'm not particularly fond of paying taxes. Now, I know that some politically, right, you love it. God bless you, more power to you. It's just not my favorite thing. And not so much that I mind helping, but it's, you never know where the yahoos are going to do with it, right? One of the really great things about living in Arizona is that years ago they established uh, their tax credit policies so that uh, you can take what you would have to pay the state of Arizona and you can give it, it's not a tax deduction, it is a tax credit, dollar for dollar, to organizations who do some of the work that the state normally would have to do. So for instance, uh, care for the, you know, the poor uh, and, and those people in need. Uh, so there's limits to it. So I, and the reason I think about this is I always do it uh, right about Thanksgiving. So Friday I sat down and I figured out what I think I will owe the state of Arizona and I was able to give it away. So, uh, so for instance, uh, like Crisis Pregnancy Choices Pregnancy Center that we support as a church, the neighborhood clinic that we support, a Christian organization helping the poor with medical help, uh, alongside ministries, another wonderful Christian organization. So I'm able to give my tax dollars directly to them. Uh, then there's a whole nother group that's like working with uh, foster care. So Christian Family uh, Ministries, which is uh, uh, it's a foster care agency. Tammy and I have supported them for years. But I'm able to give my tax dollars there. And then you can give to public schools, which, by the way, you know, you've got a public school in your neighborhood. They need your help. And you, I think it's up to $400 you can give there. And then you can also help with uh, or give some to to other types of schools. So for instance, I have a pastor friend who's, uh, whose daughter goes to a private school. And so I'm able to give some of my tax dollars to help pay her tuition. So it's just a great thing. If you're not familiar with it, you can go to azdoordepartmentofrevenue.gov. Tax credits explains it. Please make sure you look at it because there are limits to what you can, can do. But, man, I just like being able to say, okay, if I'm going to pay it, I know where it's going to go. And I'm able to bless some Christian organizations that are doing some great ministry. And I want to make sure you're available uh, or, or aware of that here in the state of Arizona. Unfortunately, you can't do it with your federal income tax, right? We could only hope, right? That, wouldn't that be cool? Maybe someday. You never know. If you've not been with us, Book of Revelation. The outline for the book is found in chapter 1, verse 19. John is told to write the things that he has seen, the things which are, the things which will come hereafter. Chapter 1, what he has seen. It's this detailed description of Christ. Chapters 2 and 3, the things which are. Seven local churches that existed when John wrote this book uh, on the island of Patmos. Chapter 4, verse 1, pretty much to the end of the book, the things which 
must take place after this, the things which are still to come. We believe from chapter 4, verse 1 on, that it is still today, it's still prophetic. There are four major events that are prophesied in the book of Revelation. We've laid them out. The first thing is a tribulation. It's seven years where God is going to be preparing the earth for the rightful rule of the earth by man, and not just any man, but the perfect God-man, Jesus. So it's tribulation, seven years. That's chapter 6 through 19. Chapter 19 is really about the next major event, but it's what ends the tribulation, which is the second coming of Christ. Jesus is bodily and physically going to return to this earth in order to, the third major event, set up his kingdom. It's called the millennial kingdom. That's Revelation chapter 20. It's a thousand years when all the promises to Abraham and David are going to be fulfilled. The promises that the lion will lay down with the lamb and the curse will be gone all fulfilled literally in the millennial kingdom and then in revelation 21 and 22 you have what we call eternity or the eternal state this is the new heaven the new earth the new jerusalem that comes down out of heaven the streets of gold and all of that so that's that's the book of revelation we are right now, this morning, going to be in Revelation chapter 9. So, so far, what we've been looking at is the seven-sealed book, or better thinking of it as a scroll, which is a, kind of the idea of a legal document and the rightful ownership of the earth and who was worthy, and only one was, which was Jesus. And now these seals are open and they are executed. And so what we have here, I, I had this put together. This kind of gives you the idea. So the first seven seals are there. So the first thing that came was the, the white horse. We believe the Antichrist, deception, then peace is taken from the earth, and then famine and pestilence. Oh, by the way, at the fourth seal, what we find is that at this point, one-fourth of the world's population has been killed, then martyrdom great tribulation takes place you got the signs in the heavens <laughs> then there's a little break which we we looked at which talked about some other things that are going on like 144,000 Jewish evangelists who are being sent out to preach the gospel people are coming to faith in Christ then the seventh seal is open there's silence in heaven for a half hour because, you know, you thought this was bad. The seventh seal is not one judgment, but it's this whole series of another seven judgments called the trumpet judgments. Two weekends ago, we looked at the first four of those. We had all the green grass and a third of all the trees burned up. A third of the oceans were destroyed, turned to blood. The fish and, and, and the animals, a third of all the oceans die. A third of the ships are taken out. Then you had the third, which is the third of the fresh waters turned bitter. Then a third of the sky, the, the, uh, the stars, the sun, the moon, uh, they're, they're darkened. And then you get to the last verse of chapter 8. Verse 13, he says, Then I looked, and I heard an eagle flying in the midheaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe! Woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpets of the three angels who are about to sound. In the midst of all of this, 
basically what this eagle is saying is you ain't seen nothing yet the destruction that is coming is unparalleled and that's where we are rolling into chapter 9 now it's 21 verses long and I know you try to read that much scripture you lose people stay stay with me because we want to dig into it so if you got your Bibles uh, follow along with me or you got your Bible app Revelation chapter 9 verse 1 then the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth and the key of the bottomless pit was given to him he opened the bottomless pit and smoke went up out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit then out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth power was given to them as scorpions of the earth have power they were told not to hurt the grass of the earth nor any green thing nor any tree but only the men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads and they were not permitted to kill anyone but to torment for five months and their torment was like the torment of the scorpion when it stings a man in those days men will seek death and will not find it they will long to die, and death flees from them. The appearance of the locusts were like horses prepared for battle, and on their heads appeared to be crowns like gold. Their faces were like the faces of men. Their hair was like the hair of women. Their teeth were like the teeth of lions. They had breastplates like breastplates of, of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots of many horses rushing to battle. They have tails like scorpions and stingers, and in their tails is the power to hurt men for five months. They have a, as king over them the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in the Greek his name Apollyon. The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still coming after these things. Then the sixth angel sounded. And I heard a voice from the four corners, or the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. One saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, day, and month, and year were released, so that they would kill a third of mankind. The number of the armies of the horsemen were 200 million. I heard the number of them. And this is how I saw in the vision the horses and those who sat on them. The riders had breastplates, the color of fire and hyacinth and brimstone. And the heads of the horses are like the heads of lions that out of their mouth proceed fire, smoke, and brimstone. A third of mankind was killed by these three plagues, by fire and smoke and brimstone, which proceed out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouth and in their tails for their tail are like serpents and have heads and with them they do harm the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the work of their hands so as not to worship demons and the idols of gold and of silver and of brass and of stone and of wood who can neither see nor hear nor walk and they did not repent of their murders nor of their sorceries, nor of their immorality, nor of their, th of their thefts. All right, the first woe, the, the fifth trumpet sounds. What we see here is a demonic attack. 
So there in verse 1, it talks about a star that has fallen from heaven. And it kind of runs us back. We would think of back in chapter 8 in verse 10, the third trumpet this sounds is and it says a great star fell from heaven burning like a torch and we talked about that it's a celestial body a comet an asteroid we don't know for sure what it is but this very specifically is not a asteroid or a comet it's it's a being because it says the key to the bottomless pit was given to him and he opened the bottomless pit so this seems to be some type of a angelic being now the question is who well on the one hand it might be satan because the idea that he's fallen from heaven is something that we see about satan from scripture so you go back to isaiah 14 how you have fallen from heaven O star of the morning son of the dawn that whole passage is about uh, is about satan uh, you also see it remember when jesus sent out the 70 and they went out doing miracles and preaching the gospel and then they came back and they're telling jesus about everything that happened and he said this i was watching satan fall from heaven like lightning so it might be that this is when one fallen from heaven and is given the key to the abyss Maybe it's referencing Satan Because later on in chapter 12 What we're going to find out Is that Satan or Who seems to be able You go back to the idea of Job uh, In the presence of God He's the accuser of the brethren That he's cast down At the midway point of the tribulation So maybe, maybe this is Satan And others would say no We, we you know, all of these trumpets are being blown by angels, so we don't know that it's Satan. It might be a holy angel who goes, we, and the reality is we don't know for certain. But those are the two options. What this judgment is, is an army of powerful demons let loose to torment mankind. So he talks about the abyss, the, the bottomless pit. What is that? Well, bottomless pit, by the way, in Greek is the is the idea of abyss it's the kind of the transliteration of it and in scripture when we see the abyss or the bottomless pit it's always tied to a place where demonic beings are being held do you remember when jesus ran into the man the, the gathering demoniac full of demons right what's your name legion for i'm many and Jesus is going to cast out the demons. And it says they were imploring him not to command them to go away into the abyss. A place where demons can no longer do their thing here on earth, but they are they're bound, they're, they're kept. They're, it's almost like a, a demon prison, so to speak. We read about it also in 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and the book of Jude that there are angels and, and by the way do you, do you know what demons are rich and i actually just recorded this podcast so if you don't have resident strangers it's coming out i think we're in end of january but when god created angels they were created we believe once at the beginning of time and then when satan fell and rebelled there was According to Revelation 12, 4, some think as many as a third of the holy angels decided to follow after Satan. And they 
are who we call demons. And they, just like we've been looking at angels here in the book of Revelation, different rank, different power, right? Michael's the archangel, and you have Gabriel, the one who stands before God, and you have the cherubim and all this. That the fallen angels, demons, also have different power, different rank, and that some of the worst of the worst, those who hit are the most powerful and the most evil, that God has kept reserved for the end times. That's what Jude tells us. That's what Peter tells us. In fact, some seem to be at one point doing their thing here on earth. You go back, it points us back to Noah's time, but because of their sin, God now locked them away, in essence, and reserved them. But in this moment, they are going to be let loose. And these demonic creatures... Uh, are going to be let loose on the earth. And the picture that he gives here is the picture of locusts. But not just locusts, but locusts with a stinger. Now, when you think of locusts, what do you think of? You think of swarm. So the biggest swarm recorded in history of locusts, and they didn't record it back in the time of uh, Moses, so we don't know how big that one was. But there was actually one that was measured in 1889 that covered over 2,000 square miles. And this swarm of locusts are going to come. And, and what does it tell us about them? It says, well, they have heads like men. Probably the idea that they're intelligent. They're not like just dumb, uh, uh, creepy, crawly things. The crowns are like gold it's not a diadem it's not royal it's the idea of victorious so they can't be overcome they can't be stopped the hair like women maybe the idea that they're actually pretty to look at or seductive uh teeth like lions <laughs> when when i think about that any of you from the midwest and know what a noceum is you know, there, there's these little bugs you can't see, but they have mouths like this and teeth like lions. And, and I, man, I, you know, so these are, I mean, they, they sting and they bite, and that's the idea. They have breastplates uh, like iron. So, you know, you can't just crush them like bugs. You, they're, they're, they're hard. They can't be killed. Tails like scorpions. They're going to inflict pain. Now, the pain there, it, he uses the word like. So it's always that question, is this... You know, figurative that he's just given us a like. It's a it's a picture, or or is it literal? And you think about how, at least biblically, when demons have afflicted men and mankind, it necessarily hasn't been like a bite or a sting, but it's been. Remember the woman bent over for years. The enemy. Remember the boy possessed by demons who was thrown into the fire. So this, this judgment is that these demons, these very powerful, very wicked demons, are going to be let loose. God is going to give them the ability to go and to afflict mankind. Now there's one restriction. They can't afflict those who are sealed by God. 
which who's sealed by God? Will you go back to what we, we looked at? Uh, it's the 144,000 Jewish evangelists. There is some question. Is it just those or is it all the believers, everybody who's coming to faith during the tribulation time? I mean, you think about the, uh, the plagues on Egypt. And after the first couple, remember, God kind of put that bubble around the children of Israel. So we don't know for certain, but certainly they're not going to be able to afflict the, the Jewish evangelists. It's just those and, uh, who, who don't have a relationship with God. And the thing is, is that the torment's going to be great but they won't be able to die. Did you see verse 6? In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die. I mean, you can only begin to imagine how bad this is. And the fact that you would take death over having to deal with these, this demonic, again, whether it's a physical stinger or if it's, if it's just the affliction that it's going to bring into heart and the soul and the body of people, we don't know. And the judgment itself is going to last for five months. Do you understand why he said, whoa, for five months? Then you get to the sixth trumpet, verses 13 and on. And he says there in verse 14, he says, the sixth angel who had the trumpet released the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. This judgment also is demonic in its origin. So if you remember, we looked at the sealed judgments. The sealed judgments were primarily against mankind right peace is taken the antichrist the deceiver comes there's a lot of death there's famine there's pestilence one of the things that we talked about with these trumpet judgments was at least the first four were not so much directly focused at mankind as much as they were at creation but these five and six now very specifically at mankind again and Again, it's demonic in, it, in its origin. So here's what it is. Uh, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Now, nowhere in Scripture is a holy angel of God ever said to be bound. The only angels that are bound are demonic. So we take it that part of what's getting let loose here are four very powerful demonic angels who are now going to upset the world order and bring great war. Now, this shouldn't surprise us, except that in America, uh, you know, we don't deal with a lot, and we're dealing with it more, to be honest with you, but for most Christians, they've never dealt with demonic stuff. And for a lot of Christians, honestly, the, the idea of demons and what's going on in the spiritual world is kind of you, you need to go talk to missionaries though who w live and work and minister in a third world country and oh by the way it's coming here more and more but it's real it's exactly what Paul told us in Ephesians 6 our struggle is not against flesh and blood you know today we get so many Christians are so upset about the other political party that doesn't agree with them in our country and they just get folk 
the issue isn't the other people. The issue is there's a spiritual battle that's going on behind the scenes. That's what Paul tells us. Our, our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. There's a spiritual battle being played out behind the scene. Do you remember Job? You see, everything was playing out with Job. He never best we understood ever understood that what was playing out with him was actually a spiritual battle that was taking place something in the spiritual realm he he was not aware of and the bible tells us that that's going on on around us do you remember daniel Daniel chapter 10, he had a vision that just grieved his heart. And he began to pray, God, give me, what is your vision trying to say? Give me that wisdom. And, and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And three weeks went by and nothing. And then an angel showed up. It's in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. And he says this. He says, do not be afraid, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. Oh, by the way, remember three weeks ago when you started praying? In that moment, your prayers were heard, I was sent. <laughs> so the legitimate question is, where you been? <laughs> yeah, verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Who's the prince of the, per, of the kingdom of Persia? Is that a man who's holding up an angel? No, it's a spirit of darkness, a demonic force. And he says, then behold Michael. Well, who's Michael? Michael's the archangel. Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I have been left there with the king of Persia. See, there's a spiritual dimension that is going on. Honestly, it's being played out in history. And so now what we see is that these four demonic angels are going to be let loose. It talks about from the river Euphrates. And my... my Highlighter here does not work on that, so I'm going to do it up here. So if you go up, there's Mount Ararat, and that's where you get the headwaters for the Euphrates River. And you think historically, all the countries and the kingdoms that have been around there, Assyria, who took out uh, and took northern uh, Israel into captivity. You have Babylon, who took southern part of Judah into captivity you had the Medes and the Persians who then Babylon of course uh, ultimately the Greeks came and the Romans came and they conquered all this but what he's saying is river Euphrates four angels are let loose and they have huge army right it talks about 200 million now is this 200 million demonic foes that are coming with them or are these angels demonic right like the prince of persia who are going to move the armies of the world into battle and into war we don't know 
But the end result is, by this seal, you talk about war being taken, but this is going to be incredible war. Because in it, one-third of the world's population is going to be killed. He, he describes it there of... Uh, end of verse 17 and out of their mouth proceeds fire and smoke and brimstone and out of these three plagues comes this much death and you think about the use of nuclear weapons and all of those things that would certainly kind of fit that picture but think about this. If you remember back with the seal judgments at the fourth, a fourth of the world's population is dead. So if we have 100 people, we take out a fourth, that's 25, we've got 75 left. Now if you take out a third, where are you at? Well, that's 25 more. You're at 50. Half of the world's population is dead. Great death. Do you understand why when the angel in heaven saw these next three coming, he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You ain't seen nothing yet because the death, the devastation, the torment is coming. Oh, I got to be done. All right, you can't finish this without looking at 20 and 21. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the work of their hands so as not to worship demons and the idols of gold and of silver and of brass and of stone and of wood which can neither see nor hear nor walk and they did not repent of their murders nor their sorceries nor their immorality nor their thefts we are just reminded over and over again of the hardness of people's hearts. And one of the things that we've seen, people are getting saved. 144,000 Jewish evangelists. People are coming to faith in Christ. When he says here's those that remain, right? He's, he's talking about the majority. They're hearing the gospel message. But the reality is they won't turn from the work of their hands. Well, what's the work of their hands? The work of their hands is the worship of their God. We talked about this last week, the idea of God is the fountain of living water, but we don't want to come to him, so we're going to build cisterns, right? And we're going to, and we're going to build our own gods to try to give us life. And whether it's the God of, of, of greed and of money or it's the God of stuff or it's the God of pleasure or whatever, but even in the midst of all of this and the message of, hey, there's hope, and the message of there's mercy, the message of their grace is being preached, they will not repent. They will not turn. One of the things I think you're going to see is a theme of the book of Revelation. It's that you know, God comes again and again and again with mercy and grace and opportunity there's a hardness. And maybe you're here today and you've not come to faith in Jesus. Can I just say, today's a day of grace. Now, we can see these storm clouds gathering. We've talked about that. 
40 years ago when I was studying this, there were some of these things, man, I couldn't even get my arm around. How does this all work? But today we can see how, how it all works. The world is being set up. Even you go back to there in the Euphrates River, where is the hot spot of the world today, right? It, you, we can see it. And God has given us all of these warnings. And God even brings us to, you come and you hear and you go, wow, man, that seems like that's written for today. Yes, it is. It's written 2,000 years ago for today. But what does that cause us to do? To, to soften our heart to repent? To turn to Jesus, who is the only way to heaven? The only forgiveness of sins? Or do we continue to worship the gods of our hands? Gods that can not see and not smell and not walk and not talk. Broken cisterns. And if you don't know Jesus, today's the day of salvation. And for those of us who know Jesus, can I just remind us? You know, we're, we're, we're not fearful of this, right? We, we believe we're going to be caught up in the rapture ahead of this. But do you realize where are we at? We're somewhat 12, 13 judgments into this thing, and half of the world's population is dead. That's why it's so important for you and I to live on mission today. To be salt and light today. 